Hello and welcome to DKI, Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. This is episode number 104. I'm your host, Joel, and welcome back, Jace. Hello! Hello, hello. We have got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, oh, yeah. Big old spoiler <laughs> warning for those of you in the chat or listening later. It should be in all the titles anywhere. Uh, we'll be starting off with our usual weekly catch-up stuff, and I suppose there's a certain level of spoiler warnings there as well, but we're still in the first three weeks of the season, so, you know, we don't know what's going to go on at the end of these shows, so we'll these be could, discussing that. They could possibly swerve like some of these shows we're going to talk about do. <laughs> yes, but then once we get into the main topic, there is just going to be a big old spoiler warning. Consider yourself warned because anything is fair game there, and we're not going to be, you know trying to obfuscate or sugarcoat anything. We're just going to go out and say, this show did this. So if you hear a name of a show that you haven't seen yet as you're listening, and you're like, ooh, I don't want to hear that, you may want to just skip around in the episode and find a place that we're not talking about. But anyways, it's week three of the spring 2022 season, and I got to say, Jace, it's a good season so far. Oh, this is man. an overperforming season. Yeah, I mean, my list did not really uh, shrink much. Yeah, that, that was exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I was like, I sort of assumed, all right, I'm not going to keep up with 12, 13, 14, 15 shows, right? Yeah. Right? So, surprise! Mark, and, and just, I, I keep tuning into these shows, and I'm just like, I, I don't mind tuning into these shows. I don't feel like it's a chore. It's a lot, and I've been very busy this week preparing the script for our next radio drama, which we will get to uh, later in the plug, but uh, surprise, surprise, is going to be next week, the 30th. Definitely want to tune in for that. But even with that, I'm only missing like three or four shows that have aired in the past two days, and otherwise, I'm still caught up with everything else. And the things that I expected to be good are good. Spy yeah. Family is still good. Oh, episode God, two yes. is just as amazing. Love Yours is great. The family's together. We're going to have a good time. I am here for this ride. But then there's just a whole bunch of other shows that I was like, eh, this looks like genre fair. And it yeah. is genre fair, but it's good genre fair. And for you that, know, I really point to the Skeleton Knight one, which had episode three this weekend. It was tropey as heck, but it followed the rule of cool. And it followed it really well. Uh, because it went heavy on the tropey with the isekai. I mean, I'm not your. I I like when you take a genre and you flip it on its head. Uh, oh, yeah, that's always preferred. Like like uh, like how Madoka uh, deconstructs Magical Girl. I like when there's a unique take to something. So I find most isekais are just kind of a little too vanilla and follow the same isekai by numbers uh, type of oh, thing. Oh yes. And don't so. get me wrong, that if I have the choice between a vanilla isekai and something that's going to turn a genre on its head, I'm going to take what turns a genre on its head. Yeah. But turning a genre on, on its head only happens so many times, and it also only happens so many times before it itself becomes a trope. True. See, case in point, the dark magical girl genre that very much spun off of Madoka's success. True. And let's face it. The flavor vanilla is popular for a reason. It's simple. Yeah. It's still good. People know what to expect. No skeleton night isn't going to be something I remember after this year, but I'm having a good time enjoying the ride for the time being, and it's not a chore to spend 23 minutes on it every week. I mean, uh, vanilla, when done right, with vanilla bean, you know, true vanilla extract, not the, the fake stuff, is really freaking good. And that's one of the things. Vanilla gets a bad rap. And I think that that kind of goes the same for genre trope animes. You know, is, yeah. you can call but it vanilla, I'm, but yeah, like you said, when done it, right. Yeah. And there's a reason it becomes known as vanilla, and there's a reason that vanilla keeps being made because it's good and people like it. Case in point, once again, greatest demon lord reborn as a typical nobody. Gosh, if that isn't a vanilla title, if I've ever heard one. It has a very isekai-like title, we're dealing with just ordinary reincarnation where somebody yeah. remembers their entire past life. And for me, between that one and uh, there, there are a lot of animes that are hitting some of the right notes for me. Like, I'm a big fan of Slayers. So, of course, uh, Greatest Demon Lord and uh, 
Don't Hurt Me, My Healer, I've actually been enjoying. Okay, um, I haven't seen any of Don't Hurt Me, My Healer, and I don't think is, we really discussed it, it at length last heavy week. heavy on the comedy. Very heavy, to the mm-hmm. point where she might get annoying to some people. She even annoys me a little bit, but that's the point of her. It did look like, very slapstick. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I... I enjoy a good comedy, and this is basically what if you took the comedy of Slayers and just ramped that up to 150 and didn't care about anything really going on. Like, I I don't even think there's going to be any kind of underlying story. I could be wrong. They could swerve us by the end of it with some sort of darker turn to it. But I mean, like, between that one and Greatest Demon Lord, I'm just enjoying some nice classical anime vibes uh demon lord they even mentioned like giga flare at one point and i'm just thinking like i'm having flashbacks to uh freaking dragon slave <laughs> like, oh yeah with, oh so yeah it's, i i'm i'm loving those i'd say the standouts for me were spy family um uh birdie wing science fell in love but i was into that one already and of course love after world domination because i'm a big toku fan um I haven't seen episode three because that only aired like six hours ago. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet myself, but I'll probably be what I watch after this. Pretty much. Episodes one and two have been a delight. Uh, This is sort of an example of turning a genre on its head that it's not entirely turning it on its head, but it's, you know, just that tweak. And it's a good little rom-com and it's taking these tropey building blocks and nudging them just ever so slightly that episode two was a date episode and it was the type of thing that it was very predictable of okay the guy has no idea what the hell he's doing on a date and he's really dumb and he's super oblivious but then he also ends up being kind of thoughtful but then the girl's also thoughtful and it's very lovey-dovey and cute and fluffy and it's just nice yeah and uh of course uh it wouldn't be complete without mentioning tomodachi game my I God. haven't seen episode three yet. I still oh, need to see man. that one. I, um, I'm just going to say, I'm really hoping that they don't just kind of blow it in that one episode and be like, they did it. Like, I really think there's a lot more intrigue that's going to happen. And this was just a punch you in the face type of twist to get a reaction out of people. Oh, dear. It's so it sounds like I have something... You you have something to look forward to because it's just like it's you kind of go like you get you get kind of taken for a ride by the end of the episode. You're going, it can't be that person. No way. They're not going to reveal it this early. No, it's not like you're going to be in denial by the end of the episode. Mm, Okay, I'm looking forward to this now. Yeah. And I and I suppose moving from vanilla to the more exotic, eclectic flavors, we'll get to Birdie Wing because we almost just got on a roll in our pre-show. So I'm going to yeah. sort of save that one for last. I will um, say, uh, dance, dance, recipe- dancer was great too. Okay. Cause I haven't watched that one either. Um, yeah. Recipe for happiness. Episode three, really nice. Introduced a, a third main character. It feels. And we have our unconventional family unit assembled. And I'm very curious now to see where it goes. And it's just, this is everything that I expected it to be that we're going to be talking about it anime that takes swerves later recipe for happiness is exactly what it says on the tin it's exactly what it looks like based in the art and the promotional video that this is a sort of non-traditional family unit healing anime about Mm. people and just it's a little bit emotional it's a it's slice of life technically in the sense that there is no heavy underlying well there there is an underlying plot but that it is going about relatable realistic circumstances and that there's drama here most certainly Mm. but this isn't a drama show that this isn't tragedy that this is people going through their lives and drama happens in people's lives there is occasional tragedy in people's lives but just because tragedy happens does not mean that life is inherently only tragic you know what i mean yeah yeah it's uh plus i mean because you say like healing uh, I, I'm getting the idea that it's the kind of vibes where you would watch something like Tomodachi game, get ramped up, go, oh, my God, that's screwed up. And then watch this afterwards as a and just have cleanser. And just have a happy cry. 
you know, a nice little like cool down. Yeah. You know, and then and then you jump over to Shikimori just to get the laughs back after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, heroines run the show saw episode three today it's continuing to overperform i i think that uh sequels notwithstanding and spy family notwithstanding because i'm sort of just putting that aside as okay this is probably going to be anime of the season and i have to judge everything else sort of beside what is looking to become the runaway a, hit. A, a runaway hit instant classic yeah and, you know that's not terribly surprising because it's such a beloved manga um but Heron's run the show is just turning out really, really good. Very strong that uh, we're getting a bit of slice of life involved in this, but it's just, it's a good character piece for all three of the main ones. And the whole thing of it not being all about the idols. Like I said, as somebody who enjoys being that producer type and has done that in various capacities, it is a rare delight for me. And while the stuff that our main character in that show is not doing stuff really that I have done, that it's not really a one-to-one, oh, I've been there and done that exact thing, there's still a much more relatable level of activities and just seeing the drive of somebody who is working behind the scenes and also has her own motivations for what got her there in the first place has been very, very satisfying. And the show overall is working with very nice production values. Mm. So good to hear. I mean, I haven't even gotten around to watching that yet because, again, like it's such a freaking loaded season. Um, and and then, of course, uh, as we're recording this now, literally like next Wednesday, season two, episode one of Comey. So yeah, <laughs> you know, cool. it, is, it is so much to freaking take in. I've. I've got to get around to watching heroines because I mean, like I also have done both, uh, you know, the acting and the behind the scenes uh, production. end. so, I mean, that that does interest me as well. So it's just I don't know, maybe tomorrow or something, because on top of it all um, for like Western things, we've had Moon Knight. We've had Halo. Um, it's <laughs> I'm losing my mind. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going Obi-Wan on right now. next month. Like, oh, my God. Oh my God. It is, yeah, that is, it is a good boy. time to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are in a renaissance period. Ascendance of a Bookworm hasn't missed a beat. Kaguya-sama hasn't missed a beat. If you enjoyed the previous seasons, you're getting more of what you want. Enjoy. But let's go on and talk Birdie Wing. I suppose you could almost call this the introduction to our unexpected you know surprise anime segment because you looking at the first promotional video and the key art for birdie wing golf girl story i thought and you thought you know go as far back as two three weeks ago when we did our preview show but when we got to this we were like oh a golf anime come to think of it i don't know if a golf anime has been done before but it looks like a sports anime and well i'm not super into sports anime so i'm probably gonna pass on this one but then i saw a review that was like this is different i was like okay sure i'll check it out and sure enough this is different yeah i mean like the key art caught my attention the logo i mean it's bandai namco um which of course i know them more as a game company um you know and it, it made me think of tales of seems like they might have some of the same artists working on uh, on this one project which isn't based off of a manga on top of it all then i did a little more digging found out bandai namco pictures is actually a rebranded sunrise which makes sense because bandai namco is all wrapped up in gundam and of course uh they make great things like code geass there's your name drop for the episode yeah i mean i, I was gonna say it's a twist for me for code geass because i saw like the first couple of episodes recently and i'm like okay i was expecting like i i know that it does one thing yeah like i'd heard stuff about it but really all i ever saw was the key art of clamp's characters and i just expect certain things from clamp um that i mean when you look at the art you think one thing and then clamp usually doesn't swerve i i do have one thing of note later on 
but oh yeah code geass is all about the swerves but uh yeah i mean birdie wing is one of these things where you look at the key art you look at the trailer and maybe even episode two if you jump into it in like episode two you might think that it's a vanilla sports show and it would be a, a still very competent vanilla sports show. Oh, yeah. Even if it was just that. that the graphics you know, are amazing. Watching, <laughs> watching episode two, like you said, it was very calm compared to episode one. Because episode one was bombastic as hell. Yeah. That it was like, all right, we're doing this weird underground, uh, you know, uh, when I say underground, I don't mean uh, physically underground, but, you know, a almost illegal street racing type of thing yeah basically and then in episode two we're just you know on the greens in a sanctioned national tournament but it was still so damn compelling oh yeah just the way the characters that the part that is still like it says on the tin is that it is a story about these two girls who have inherently different golf styles one is just brute force she doesn't have any real technique. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I hit ball hard. I get close to hole. That would if be I me playing hard golf. and get close to hole. I get low score. Whereas this other one is a girl who is born and bred. Both of her parents were pro golfers. She's been trained since like four years old. She, they said, but the thing about her is you would go into this expecting, all right, we have this, you know, gritty underdog untrained golfer and then there's the prim proper pristine traditional golfer and you'd very much expect okay they're gonna be rivals and the girl's gonna be super snooty and look down on this girl for her upbringing and her lack of finesse and no no surprise howie just she is the she's she's a cinnamon bun she is she's so wholesome She's just so pure that her whole thing is, I love golf. Golf is a pure game, and you're a great player. I want to play golf with you. Yes, please. Yeah, like... (laughs) She finds... uh, So, Eve is the uh, gritty blonde golfer who hit ball hard, get close to hole, and Owie is the one who is prim and proper, has all the formal training. Owie is just fascinated with eve's style of play and she's like yeah. i'd never play that way but that's super freaking cool that you do i love it and it's like oh wait they they both they have this mutual respect and like they obviously consider each other very healthy rivals but this yeah. isn't the type of you know oh Owie's gonna try and manipulate circumstances and get eve disqualified and yeah. that there's gonna be some underhanded stuff there no they're just Two girls who are really happy playing golf. But then underneath all that, outside of episode two, as we start to see in the middle of episode three, there's a golf mafia or something. I'm not, I don't (laughs) know. The style of dress. Like, I just thought right away. I'm like, Like, is this the, is this the golf Yakuza? Yeah. (laughs) Which one of them scare you? We haven't gotten a full explanation as of episode three of really what's going on or who's at play or just how deep this goes. Are there multiple go- uh, golf Yakuza families? Is it just this one that rules the golf underworld in Japan? We don't know, but I'm interested. Yeah, it's it's one of those bait and switches. And the funny thing is, this is back to back with last season, which it's just about wrapping up. I think it's its last few episodes. Salaryman's Club, which based off of the title and the key art with these Fujoshi, like a very Fujoshi focused fan art, you know, sexy guys, same studio that did free. And with a name like Salary Man's Club, if you don't notice the shuttlecock in the picture. Just, yeah, just sort of, you know. And you just see the men. The corner, you, you think it's a pretty boy thing. But I would consider Birdie Wing to be just an entirely different level because. Oh, yeah, no, because yeah, it's, it's. Even in its description, in yeah. a little blurb. Salaryman's Club makes it very obvious this is a badminton anime, and it, for all intents and purposes, seems to version of a badminton. Because I mean, it's a national business badminton tournament. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, there's business soft softball leagues. True, but it's still kind of weird. Is there a badminton mafia though? Is there that's, a badminton that's yakuza? That's the big twist. There is no badminton yakuza. Yeah, it, it, but Birdie Wing is taking it to these levels. Yeah, and it, just it, in episode it, one, like we said, it is 
almost akin to Gurren Lagann, but instead of your drill will pierce the heavens, it's your driver will pierce the heavens. Uh, the the different bullets that she's got that like she doesn't know the technique. She doesn't have the finesse of like, I'm going to put a top spin on this or anything like, or I'm going to follow the wind for this specific, like, no, no. I, I hit ball hard. I know angles at very least, but uh, I, I just... have, I have three clubs that I use and I hit ball as hard as possible in certain way with each club. And that's it. And so, that's all she and needs. They're, and they're colored bullets. So yeah, it's just, if you aren't watching Birdie Wing Golf Girl's story, give it three episodes because each of the three episodes so far has had a slightly different feel. It isn't just the batshit insane first episode. It's not just the almost traditional sports anime second episode. It's not just the sort of blended third episode where it's super competitive, but damn, it's the main word I keep coming back to is it's really compelling. I just yeah. want to keep watching. I want to see where it goes. It's not even that it's, yeah, there is this sort of mystery of, you know, what the hell's going on with the golf Yakuza and stuff, but that's not even the main hook here. The main hook is just the characters are so good. The production comes together very nicely, and it's not even, you know, the most interesting or inherently compelling writing that I've ever yeah. seen. There, there's nothing super crazy here about motivations that you haven't seen before. There's interesting motivations to be sure, but it's not like it's forging a new path in terms of their character setups, but all the pieces just come together so nicely. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's weird because they're puzzle. It's almost as if they were putting together a jigsaw puzzle with leftover pieces that are actually the missing pieces from a bunch of puzzles, but they somehow all fit together. It's just really nice. Yeah. We should move on to the rest of the yeah, stuff because we've been gushing about this for a while, and I assume that we're going to be gushing about this all season because this yeah. is one of the ones that I look at and say, there's a good chance this ends up under the radar, so we want to make sure yeah. at least any of our friends don't miss out on this one because it's a treat. Yeah. So but uh, now we will go into proper spoiler warning territory. Everything we're about to discuss from here on out is going to be just whether it be a series that in episode one or two or three goes completely off the rails from what was advertised or maybe halfway. It just has a very deliberate left turn. And a lot of series have, you know, something changes and that's very compelling. That's how writing works. But we're mostly going to be focused on shows here that in the first couple of episodes, diverge significantly from their advertisement. There, yeah. We might go into a couple that have particularly notable left turns in the mid to late part of their narrative, but this is mostly going to be the ones where something changes fundamentally early on and the, the majority of the ride is not the ride you signed up for, for one yeah. reason or another. I mean, whether it's the trailer... The first few episodes, maybe half the series, um, you know, these these are the sort of things that, um, you know, would make uh, if you're a movie fan, M. Night Shyamalan, if you're a wrestling fan, Vince Russo proud, you know, just swerve twist. For starters, we'll just go to one of the most notable, frankly, of the past two decades that if you are a anime fan in I don't want to say any regard, but if you're an anime fan who has been around the block at least a fair amount, you probably know about Madoka Magica. Yep. And that, I think, is it, certainly not the first, certainly not the last, but it, one of the quintessential swerve animes in that sense of just, all right, episode one and two, we're doing this magical girl stuff and we're making contracts and that's fine. And in episode three, chomp. Yep. I mean, like, and that hit me hard because mommy was my favorite. <laughs> So yeah, it was just, just like, oh, I, I remember hearing about that. That, that was the chomp heard round the anime world. <laughs> like everything changed. And it was, we were all Madoka in that moment of just yeah. the complete profound horror and disbelief because especially prior to Madoka Magica that 
for that genre, and like we've said, it spun off its whole subgenre because of its success. Yeah. And it never hits as hard as the first time. And Madoka was the first time. And just you going from seeing mommy pulling out all of her guns, having the upper hand on this witch. So badass. And then all of a sudden thing, all right, you know, she might get hit. She might get defeated, but you don't expect her to just have her head chopped off or bit off and die. Plain old die. This isn't, oh no, she's about to die and we're going to save her. Oh, she dies and we're going to resurrect her. She's just dead. Yeah, it's just gone. Uh, the the finality of life right there yeah. as it is, as it is it's like that is your indicator that the rest of the show is just going to go Knuckle down punches. that rabbit hole yeah and it just kept going from there and the the key phrase or the key word behind Monica Magica is despair that is the whole thing the entropy yeah. and despair is what fuels Cube and seeing that cycle go not only with the other characters throughout the series, but then the way that the finale goes uh, with Madoka herself and yeah. seeing that time loop, the fact that then, you know, in the second to last episode when everything is revealed and you see uh, the opening sequence and realize the lyrics are in, you hear the lyrics in a new way. Yeah. Because yeah. you realize it's not from Madoka's perspective. Yeah. And it's terrifying, and I love it. Oh, man. I mean, like, because Magical Girl, at least the way that, you know, they do it, it is the Magical Girl team, so the Pretty Cure or Sailor Moon formula, which, of course, then also comes from the tokusatsu trope, Super Sentai, Kamen Rider. And then you get the twist in Madoka as well, where the witches were Magical Girl's whose powers tarnished and corrupted and they became these monsters. Yeah, that adds the extra layer of, oh, it's not just we're having our own tragedies, but the very existence of a witch is inherently the the remnants of a past tragedy that they were once as you were and that uh, you yourself will one day likely become a witch. The darkness and and evil within. That inherent dread and just... Again, we could go rounds for Monica yeah, Magica, but I, mean, I think that we've, is, you know, it is it, it's we've, classic we've for a reason. Um, um, one that is in more recent memory and that, well, we'll certainly say it started better than it ended, and that's Promise Neverland. Yeah, I heard a lot about that one. I had a hard time getting into it. I, I caught it on uh, Toonami a few times, and... I don't know, like the main characters like weren't doing anything for me. And I Did you see the first episode, though. That's the thing is that, like, I didn't even know it started because Toonami has been mm. one of these things where they kind of do a poor job of promoting uh, when shows they, are changing up and whatnot. Airtime that you yeah. need to be following them on social media pretty actively to know what's going on. But so I guess Neverland... having not seen the first episode that it yeah. definitely does pull that swerve, I'm guessing. The way that the first episode goes is we open on Grace Fieldhouse, which is this sweet little orphanage in the countryside, and uh, the the not quite nun lady, but you know the the mother of the house, tending to the children, helping them, playing with them, uh, making sure they're fed and that they take care of each other, and it's just this happy little you know. It, it almost feels like it could be that type of healing anime slice of life thing yeah. that you have. Um, uh, why did I just go totally blank? <clears throat> um, with the... Need to do with a recipe for happiness. I was like, taste okay, of yeah, happiness? Yeah. No, yeah, with rest, but, so it seemed like it could be something like that. Mm. And you even have a slightly you know, heartfelt goodbye where you're, uh, one of the girls is being adopted and them seeing her off. Uh, but there's this... One thing that at the far end of the uh, of the property, there's this large gate, yeah. and they're told never to go near the gate. And also, there happens to be a big forest surrounding. They're told not to go into the forest, and they go into the forest and they find walls. And they go mm. to the gate when one of the others is being adopted. Yeah, and demons appear. 
giant, uh-huh. grotesque demons. And they kill the girl and talk about how they will be delivering her to the demon nobles to eat because apparently children's brains are delicacies and they are on a farm. Brains, brains, I won't lie. <laughs> I appreciate that Billy and Mandy reference. Uh, I love Voltaire. But, but... The, the, the shock and horror of not all is as it seems that, it, you know, not just the idea of, okay, this isn't just a orphanage, which is already inherently a, a pretty sad thing. Yeah. That the, these are children without parents for one reason or another. The orphanage not, is a and, farm. <laughs> and that it's just a farm and that it is Damn. one of many farms and that wow. these children are being raised literally for the slaughter. As cattle. Wow. It's a literally and, human veal. <laughs> yes. And that the the plot from there becomes these children trying to escape. Um, mm. They're very smart children because one of the things that is a little bit unsettling in the first opening minutes of the episode is that they have these tests every day and that they have scores and Mm. that uh, it is usually children with lower scores that end up being adopted, but then every so often one with a high score will be adopted and we find out that the smarter a child is, the better their brain tastes. So it is just part of that institution of being raised for the slaughter Mm. and them using the the heightened intelligence that they have because that's how they've been raised to try and escape their captors but then there's also the mystery of well if we escape what lies beyond that is it just a world of demons is there any humanity left to, and it's a very compelling plot and mystery and that's why the series was so successful and why so many people really uh found it such a gripping show and then they they did things they had escalation and progress and they just really bungled the finale which mm. is something that has been discussed mm. at length here on the show so we won't go over that but yeah promise neverland absolutely an all-time swerve anime all-time fake out anime because that was just whenever you get one of these shows it becomes a defining show at least for a couple weeks because you know as premieres are going out people are like oh this one's really cool but then there will every so often be like this show and people are like oh my gosh have you seen this show did you see the thing yeah yet? And, yeah and, and it'll almost be in hushed tones and you realize okay there's something going on here there's some twist and yeah. that uh, it becomes a very big focal point a very big moment for the that premiere week because wait what just happened did, did you see this because uh, people are going to be talking about it yeah um Another big one that I remember just the week that it came out was School Live uh, or School Live. I still Mm. don't know what the proper way to say that one is. Are you familiar with that one, Jace? No, I haven't heard of that one. Okay, so this is a very cutesy little school slice of life anime. And uh, we have our four main girls. They're very, very moe. And they're all part of School Living Club, a group who lives at school. And... You don't really see much of the cast that's, you know, outside our main four that they they're depicted as just sort of, you know, uh, almost silhouettes. It it feels like a production value thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, things seem just a little bit off of why would they be allowed to live at school Mm. and that it's a very unusual arrangement. And... Then there, a couple of the girls make a comment about one of the other girls of, oh, she's doing it again and whatnot. And then at the end of the episode, our protagonist is speaking with someone in her classroom and she's talking and not really getting a response. And then one of her friends walks in and says, who are you talking to? And she says, oh, I'm talking to such and such. And it's like, oh, she's doing it again. And mm. we find out that we are in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. The there is no school left there. The school that they have been seeing is actually the main character disassociating. Wow. There aren't classmates beyond the four beyond her three friends and their pet. The school itself is in shambles. In there are zombies shambling about outside. Everything that has happened in the first episode is a hallucination. Hmm. Wow. And 
one of the really interesting things about School Live is that the opening throughout its 12 episodes just progressively gets darker and darker. I'll send you a link for this mm. after the show, Jace. Yeah. But uh, there, there's a compilation that has all of them side by side, and you can just see that it starts out, you know, blue sky, green grass, very sunny, and then the second episode is a few shades darker, and the next episode is wow. a few shades darker until you finally have, you know, dark <laughs> sky, you know, like blood red uh, and just like dead grass and... It's. I haven't even seen the full series. I can't. I can't remember the line from The Simpsons. It's like, oh, this changed so gradually. I didn't even realize it happened. Type of thing, right? Yeah, and it's just that was one that really took people for a ride because it's this Mm. very cutesy show, this very moe slice of life show. And nope, it's actually zombie apocalypse and disassociation. Oops. Damn. That is that is a big oof. Um, I guess, uh, for something a little more lighthearted, um, because this just changes genres so much. And I think it's, I think it's a victim of being a Shonen Jump series, especially in the time that it came out during the humongous boom of Dragon Ball Z. Um, so of course to, you know, beat Dragon Ball Z, you had to out Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z, which may or may not be hard depending on your taste in Dragon Ball Z, if it makes you laugh or you, it makes you groan. But Yu Yu Hakusho uh, literally translates to Poltergeist Report. It's supposed to be a detective story. And yeah, we get the swerve right away where the main character gets killed and he has to get his body back. And at first you're going, okay, so it's going to be like this. He's got to redeem himself because he's in limbo and... So, nope, nope. He gets his body back pretty quickly. Then he becomes a detective. And it's like, okay, that's that's kind of cool. Then you get a little bit of battling and you're just like, okay, you know. So a group of guys battles another group of guys. It's inevitable. But then when you finally get to, I want to say it was the, technically the third arc of the series. Uh, the Dark Tournament. Literally in the title of that arc. It just straight on becomes a martial arts battling anime. Yeah, and we've discussed the dark tournament arc before, and yeah. is you know even nowadays one of the most famous battle tournament arcs. Yeah, in anime history, that it's ex- executed supremely well. But you do have a good point. If that's not, that's not where the show initially seemed to be going. I mean, I still remember before Yu Yu Hakusho hit Adult Swim, the OVA was released on VHS by another company under the name Poltergeist Report. And I had watched that as a kid, (laughs) bizarrely enough, even though it wasn't meant for kids. uh, I had watched that, rented it from Blockbuster, and then Yu Yu Hakusho came out and I'm going, why does this seem so familiar? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it is... I mean, it's the gold standard for how you should do a tournament versus DBZ's massive amounts of filler in a tournament where it's like, I'm just going to get more powerful than you. All right, now I'm going to get more powerful than you. You Hakusho got cerebral in their fights, and I think that that's what makes it that much better. So, and now I guess you can say it's a classic because it came out in the 90s. It's, it's a modern classic. I definitely suggest if you've never seen YYH, check it out. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's see here. Oh, one that I suppose is pretty classic as well, which I admittedly have not seen in its entirety, so I can't talk about it too much, but um, Higurashi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had some friends who were obsessed with that, uh, that franchise. Emmy um, is in the remake, or rather not the remake, the sequel. Yeah, because there there was Higurashi, and then there was the other one uh, where yeah, like Higurashi everything was all gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had some friends who were obsessed with that, and I remember them like gushing and telling me all about it. And it's one of those things where if somebody explains it to you, you're going to just stare blankly, and your head will be spinning because it is not what it seems. And like trying to explain what it turns into just makes you even more like what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, one that I got you into recently, and it's, it's mostly 
what it says on the tin, yeah. but not quite, that it, it has a swerve in the first eh, minute and a half in that Zombieland saga. Yeah, that definitely... Uh... I mean, it's in the title, so you know it's Zombieland. Yeah. And you know it's a saga about zombies. Yeah. Um, I don't recall how close it was to its promotional videos. Yeah. But just the, the very rapid tonal shift yeah both aesthetically and musically oh yeah from the opening pop riffs and then uh good old truck coon and then suddenly <laughs> going into the heaviest Detroit heavy metal, metal city yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh my god I, I i still i love that to this day it's like, go to dmc go like yeah that was <laughs> i was just like what what am i watching now <laughs> Uh, one that is going to be returning soon and this isn't so much a it's more it's one of those gradual swerves as opposed to a singular moment swerve and that would be made in abyss because i Mm. would argue that made in abyss initially looks like a very bright adventure anime that it's Mm. you know very cutesy designs it's a bit silly in its opening episode and you know that there's adventure and then there might be a bit of terror somewhere along the line but yeah, very little prepares you for the abject horror and just intensity of the abyss itself, and the way that the the world interacts with the characters in a very literal sense, from the yeah. curse of the abyss to huh. the things that happen to different characters, the the terrors of Bondrude, and just none of that feels like it was particularly indicated that it it just you know every episode gets a little bit darker a little bit darker and oh wow that was dark oh my goodness that was dark and it just keeps Mm. going and you expect it to sort of level out somewhere but it doesn't huh definitely uh, i'll definitely have to look that one okay uh, i I thought you had seen maiden no i hadn't seen it i'd heard of it but okay maiden abyss it's an R-rated show. Don't be deceived by the chibi-esque animation. <laughs> this is a dark show, friend. Now, uh, you know, those those are the best twists, though, in my opinion, at least. And the, the thing is, it's always somebody else who introduces me to it because on the outset, like seeing the trailer or looking at the key art, I just kind of like wave it off. And then like when people tell me after it's finished or something like, check this out. No, it is not what it is. It's like, Ooh, okay, you have my attention. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so this next one, uh, as I always bring it up, massive Toku fan. So of course, uh, I love Gridman, uh, which of course was Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad uh, in America during the whole Power Rangers boom in the nineties, and uh, it's it's a spinoff from Ultraman it's by the same production company, and got the anime adaptation with the bizarre title of SSSS Gridman, which actually takes the S's from the American show's title. And I was just like, oh yeah, Gridman, sweet anime. Like they haven't touched this franchise in 20 plus years. Let's go. And it went in a darker, like more cerebral direction where it was just like, I... I was expecting Gridman fighting computer virus monsters in cyberspace and the heroes having to save the day by using Gridman's powers. But by the end of it all, like I was just like, I I had to go back and rewatch it because it, it changes the meaning of the freaking whole series when you reach that ending. And I feel like those endings that change the context of something that what that you have to rewatch it and you just go, oh, my God, it really was about this the whole time. So uh, b- basically, it actually has to deal with the uh, the antagonist more than the uh, the, mm-hmm. the main. Character. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And that's what threw me off is I was expecting like, you know, the computer virus creating kid who, you know, was influenced by the evil virus that wants to take over all electronics. Nope, nope. It was not that in the least bit. <laughs> nope. Uh, one that, oh, dang it. I had it and then it popped out of my head. I hate it when that happens. Oh, man. So many uh, animes. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
I guess to a degree you could count the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Mm. That yeah. it, it's it looks like it, uh kind of because uh it looks like Lucky it's a normal Star came slice of life. Yeah, yeah, you'd think it's just all right, it's a normal thing. And obviously yeah. it's a light it was a light novel first, so yeah, yeah. Light novel, you know what was going on, but the whole idea of okay, you have your classic Genki girl, the energetic yep. girl who just, you know, I want to do silly things. And, you know, she's a little bit immature. Oh, thinking that aliens, time travelers and espers are real and that she's going to probably have to come back to reality at some point. And then, nope, actually, they're all real. And she's God. <laughs> yeah, that that's just like the Oh, wow. <laughs> type moment. Because it, 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 that one isn't even a that's a very special type of twist because it's not the, oh, you think everything is normal because everything is presented as normal and then it turns out to be not, it's not just that. It's, they're openly dangling these out of it. She lists out in the cold open of, if you're mm. an alien time traveler Esper, come seek me out. I want to be friends with alien time travelers and Esper. And it's like, oh, you, oh, Haruhi, you're so silly. Those uh, aren't real. And then uh, suddenly are you, you have a <laughs> exactly and then to have it spelled out oh wait the, the these are real and haruhi haruhi can do what yeah she's a huh and then the way it shifts from okay this isn't just a silly little slice of life this is now silly slice of life with the world hanging in the balance because if haruhi gets bored she might kill us all <laughs> ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. yeah i mean uh it's definitely I, I remember when that came out, I was going to pass on it because, you know, it's, oh, you know, because Lucky Star was also popular back then and I, Lucky Star did nothing for me. And then everybody told me, like, it's, do you want spoilers? I'm like, well, if it gets me to watch it, then, yeah, it's like, OK. And then the, it was explained to me and I'm like. All right, yeah, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> Sometimes the spoilers are what draws me into watching something. Mm -hmm. I know yep. it sounds Sometimes controversial, it but that way. yeah. Um. Oh God, I'm there's there's like so many. I want to say I, it, I will sort of lump all these together because these are ones that it doesn't happen in the beginning. Yeah. What? Just if you want to show that starts as something, gives you a good half of their show as something, and then takes a left turn for the second half, just take a take a little wheel or a dartboard, pick yeah. any given trigger anime, and you'll probably get that. <laughs> tell me i'm wrong oh no i can i can see that i mean it's even in the star wars trigger shorts it even does that in those i mean so i haven't even seen that yet and you're telling me that they do it there too come on it, it feels it feels like that because you're going into it expecting one thing because you know it's trigger and the thing is is that it's two they did two different shorts and you'd expect both of them to be Trigger's normal, bombastic, you know, kill a kill, Gurren Lagan way. One of them is. But the story behind it is a lot deeper than you'd expect it to be for something that bombastic. And the other one isn't bombastic at all. You're going like, oh, so this is Studio Trigger doing that. And you're like, this didn't feel like Studio Trigger. Who are you? You're not Trigger. <laughs> Why are you calling yourself that? <laughs> it's it's almost a little unsettling it, it, to think it, it, that it's, it's the Patrick same Star studio. moment. Who are you people? <laughs> yeah, basically, because it doesn't feel like Trigger, but it's them. So uh, you were expecting Studio Trigger, but it was me, Studio Trigger. <laughs> ah, God, that's Studio Trigger. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, that is definitely um, one of those one of those things where. It, like I said, it's it, I I I highly suggest because it's such a unique thing, Star Wars Visions. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I will say you do expect Star Wars, you get Star Wars, but it's not Star Wars because none of it's canon, and all of it, none of it's connected. Yeah, so, all just vignettes. Yeah, so I mean you do get what you expect from the label and you also don't get what you expect from the label with that one. Yeah. But would the you one count, that... would you count attack on Titan as a swerve anime as a, a fake out anime? Because we start with one thing and we expect it to be a certain level of, okay, you know, we're, we live in fear of the Titans and we're going to go destroy all the Titans and reclaim our lands. 
and then it does broadly gestures to everything that Attack on Titan does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because there was so much time between seasons one and two that I'd kind of fallen out of it. And now, like, after we did the Anime Awards episode and seeing Aaron Yeager listed for both Best Protagonist and Best Antagonist. And winning Best Antagonist. And I'm just sitting there as somebody who has only seen and has a very passing, like, Swiss cheese-like knowledge of season one because it's been so long. It's hard to believe Attack on Titan's been around that long. And I hear this and I'm like, I'm just so thrown off by it. Like, now I do want to go and watch it. Because how did this happen? How did we get to this point? Yeah, it's a long story. But uh, it's the type of thing that they... I would argue that they start the real swerve as early as episode five, when Aaron huh. gets eaten and then is not dead because of, you know, just the fact that he becomes a Titan. Mm. And that happens very early on that uh, the big moment that you thought was going to swerve in one way was when Aaron died that you thought, okay, is this actually Mikasa and Aaron's story? Yeah. Is, is this a case of uh, a mommy figure where yeah. we're going to have one of the main people, even the person who is presented to us as our protagonist die in the early acts and then follow these other characters that that alone would have been a swerve, but then for him to return and it's not just, okay, I've, I didn't die, actually, but for him to now be a Titan, and mm. that from that moment, everything began to spiral, and just the realization of, okay, there has to be multiple layers of WTFery going around here, because we now know, we assume that the Titans are this naturally occurring phenomenon, and then to just have everything revealed in a way that okay we don't understand the characters don't understand that the world not just for us isn't as it seemed because sometimes it's all right the the narrative and the animation is presented in a way so that we as the viewer don't realize what's going on but the characters always know what's going on but sometimes it's we don't know and they don't know and we have to discover that together and that's what happens yeah. with attack on titan wow yeah, uh, I mean, ooh, uh, I just remembered one other uh, relatively recent one. Did you see Decadence? No, I haven't actually. So, it's a show that I think you'd enjoy because it, it, it's mostly a mech show. Hmm. Um, I forget who did Decadence. That the first episode, you know, it opens up where you have these people exploring the outskirts, and Decadence is this large. Think Howl's Moving Castle, but it's a city. Okay. And that people go out of the city to defeat these monsters and collect this fuel resource that is basically the lifeblood of the monsters and that uh, the humans have to use it for fuel to protect themselves from the monsters. Hmm. And then in episode two, okay. the cold open reveals that the world of decadence is all a game. It's... And the, the people that we've been following are the NPCs in the game. Oh, wow. <laughs> and players are the super powerful warriors who are usually regarded as mercenaries that come in and help defeat these, uh, these alien beast creatures that have the fuel blood and provide them for the giant moving city. Yeah. And the realization of this is a system and the concept of a, if one of the NPCs gains sentience, that they are now considered to be a virus. They are considered to be a glitch. Yeah. And the entire thing just totally turned on its head. And this was one of the stranger ways of doing it, because usually when you get a twist like that, it's in, it's at the end of an episode. Yeah. So it's, you know, a big reveal, and that's the stinger, and you're going to have to tune in next week to figure out what the heck just happened. What on earth did you just see? But the way that this one did it was it dropped it in episode two as the opening scene 
of, you know, we go through episode one, you expect it, and you tune into episode two expecting to continue where you left off, and it's this robotic voice welcoming you to the world of decadence where uh, players are able to have their own custom avatars and defend uh, the moving city of decadence against various monsters and creatures. And just having the giant pan out to see that it is this... It's this strange world, which isn't entirely a virtual world, mm. sort of, that it, it it's not immediately clear, is it all a virtual world, or is this some is this some planet that has been unknowingly subjugated and contained, and that these other creatures then come in and treat it as an amusement park, that it's not entirely clear, and it's just super weird. It's fun, it's not what I'd call a great series, but hmm. definitely... Definitely one to try out if you have yeah. some time. That uh, it's got some really interesting things and some fun characters for sure. Hmm. I'll I'll look into that. Um, I will say, once you know that this studio's behind it, you will see, or or rather, you will know that it's going to take a dark turn. Things done by Studio Key. Remind me what Studio Key has done. Uh, Clanad, Angel Beats. Uh, oh, yeah. Air. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know them for doing visual novels. You think it's going to be light and fluffy and, and romance. And then there's just stuff that's implied and things that happen by the end of the series that just you're just like, I feel sad now. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's just ends on such a downer i i remember I, watching i'm looking Clanad. at their list right now angel beats charlotte clanad yeah uh, air, air little busters yeah if it's by uh, key yeah expect a twist and expect to need a palate cleanser by the end of it because it does not look like the label at all mm. so my ex got me watching clan ad with her i'm like oh this is cute and you know she's singing along with the little ending theme song tango 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 you see it and you're like this this is gonna give me diabetes so and then you find out like where it goes at the end and you're like all right so somebody oh. grab me excel saga i need to laugh now Oh, uh, one of the big ones of the past couple of years that's been discussed on this show, but not with you around. Mm. Did you see Talentless Nana? No, I didn't. Okay. So, Talentless Nana. Um, we have a school for uh, superhuman, for, for children who have these supernatural powers. And they're mm -hmm. called the Gifted. And... They are here on this island to train to defeat the enemies of humanity. And we don't know what the enemies of humanity look like. They, they're invisible and they have the ability to, you know, infiltrate and they, they're a threat and we need to train to defeat them. Um, and one of, and there's two main characters. One second, I need to, I need to make sure that I get the character names right because there's some relevance here. Um, bup, 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 bup. There's Nano uh, Nakajima mm -hmm. and Nana Hiragi. So Nano, you know, uh, the talentless Nana, as it were, is able is going around with Hiragi, and Hiragi kills Nano at the end of episode one. Wow. She is in fact the talentless Nana that we are going to be following, huh. because from her perspective. The gifted are the actual enemies of humanity, and she has been sent by a by her faction, who we will come to know about, to kill off all of the talented on this island because they are the actual enemies of humanity who are being groomed to kill off humanity. And that she wow. has data saying, you know, this person, uh, if they are unleashed, will likely kill 2 million people, 400,000 people, 600,000 people, however many, mm. and that she has to use not having any special abilities of her own, that she is just very smart. She is, think Lelouch, think light. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Has to covertly 
and systemically kill her classmates without them detecting her. But then there's also, you know, the conflict of, okay, which side is actually in the right here? Is either side actually in the right here? Hmm. What is going on that caused this conflict? How did the talented get here in the first place? If they're being told that the enemies of humanity are these invisible faceless creatures, what are they actually being trained to kill? What's going Hmm. on here? And uh, We don't get all the answers in the first 12 episodes. Huh. But our dear Emmy is one of the main characters, Michiru Inu- Inukai, uh, in the English dub. So definitely check that one out. Hmm. Um, and everything I told you basically gets through the pa- the first episode or two. And just there's a lot of fun stuff here. And that's a series I really hope gets a second season. It hmm. is based on a manga, so there is more material. And I think the first season was just stellar. So definitely Sweet. check that definitely, one out. Uh, de- that's once, a big swerve anime for sure. Once all that. the Crunchyroll stuff, like once all of Funimation rolls into Crunchyroll, I'll be able to watch it because I don't have Funimation and it hasn't been moved over yet onto uh, Crunchyroll. I noticed that a few of these shows are yeah, still in, in uh, funny jail. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I'd say closing this off, the one thing based off of the title um and and this is funny because i got the original final fantasy anime uh legend of the crystals on vhs which is a sequel to final fantasy 5 okay understandable crystals final fantasy all all kind of fits in there but back in the early mid 2000s studio gonzo did final fantasy unlimited which under the name final fantasy you would think would be a traditional something pulling from somewhere in one of the games. No, it is one of the weirdest, most batshit insane. Like it it felt like an acid trip. I'm like, other than you got this main character who has this metal, like freaking canister looking thing, completely covering one arm and a cloak over it. And he hardly ever talks and he's all serious like this. And then like, Things start popping off and his freaking uh, canister arm opens up to reveal like this kind of messed up arm holding on to this weird gun thing. And he pulls out these colored bullets, flips them in the air, and he's got like a fancy little incantation for each one of an element as he loads the chamber with three bullets and he fires the gun. And then a Final Fantasy summon comes out and like some of them are like really well-known ones. You see like Tonberry, you see like Ifrit. Um, you see Shiva, but other than like the summons and the, like the idea of the crystals and, uh, Chocobos, cause Chocobos are in it, has to have Chocobos cause it's Final Fantasy. <laughs> other than that, it's an isekai that just seemingly doesn't make sense. And most of that, unfortunately, is because... They were planning a run for 52. It got canceled at 25 because the Final Fantasy Spirits Within movie flopped so horribly. Oof. They did finish it, I guess, in manga form and and web novels and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, uh, and and the thing is, it's directed by uh, Mahiro Maeda. Like, you know, it's it's Studio Gonzo. It is some good stuff. Uh, you would have expected Uematsu to do the music. He only wrote the opening theme song. But, I mean, Maeda is known for Blue Sub 6, Gankutsuo. Um, like, he uh, provided the key animation for the anime sequence in Kill Bill. Like, legendary freaking guy. And it's just a shame that maybe this series would have been just a little bit better if it hadn't been killed off halfway through. So that that right there is your swerve for me is it's Final Fantasy that turns out to be this just acid trip of an isekai with Final Fantasy references thrown in there. <laughs> huh. Okay, then. Yeah. I don't think you can find that anywhere. I don't think anybody holds the license anymore. ADV Films had it. I don't think Sentai picked it up after ADV went under. I know Funimation didn't pick it back up. So uh, this is one that you're going to have to just track down however you can if you want to see 
just how I want to say lost the Final Fantasy brand was in that uh, time period post Final Fantasy X, like after the Spirits Within flopped. They were a franchise without a direction and without a proper captain at that point. And that anime is definitely proof of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, we're about at time. So thank you all so much for joining us. This is a fun episode, just sort of going over some crazy ones. Uh, It sounds like, Jace, you might have some to watch, but... We oh, also yeah. both have a lot to watch this season. Oh, God. <laughs> like we said, uh, Embarrassment of Rich is good time to be a nerd. There's so much good stuff out there. So hopefully you're watching at least a handful of good shows this season. I will be back next Thursday with RJ for more Great Ace Attorney. And also next Saturday, the 30th, is our next radio drama. It is going to be Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, and Revival. So that is the two pilot episodes of the series that goes over Terry McGinnis coming to uh, obtain the Batsuit, his introduction to Bruce Wayne and becoming the new Batman, and then moving into the Return of the Joker story where you have, well, wouldn't you know it, the Return of the Joker, and <laughs> it's going to be a good time. That one isn't a swerve. That one is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Obviously, there there's a twist because Batman is the ultimate detective and that there is a mystery at play and uh, something... Uh, comic bookie and nefarious is a foot behind the joker's return most certainly it's a better but... twist than mask of the phantasm hey <laughs> uh, and that's saying something because it wasn't half bad aside from the mediocre twist in the detective story but that's neither yeah. here nor, th- nor there indeed <laughs> but it's going to be a fun one that is going to be next saturday the 30th at 4 p.m eastern time uh, as always, be sure to uh, like, follow, subscribe us here on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And on YouTube, you can find the trailer for Kokoro no Pro, our upcoming wrestling visual novel, which is being headed up by RJ and Mario. And be sure to visit our sponsor, Image Anime, at imageanime.com and use the code DISCOUNTSHIP, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-S-H-I-P, for free shipping on orders of $100 or more. And for Digital Era Entertainment merchandise, you can go to digitaleraentertainment.com streamelements.com this has been d kai episode number 104 thank you all so much for tuning in stay safe stay sane and we will see you next time on digital era twitch 